welcome to Conversations About Life. Thanks, Steve, for being a guest on my podcast. Appreciate you coming out. My pleasure. So this is going to be kind of getting to know you because I met you at a breakfast, Legacy Builders Breakfast, not long ago. You're involved in jail ministry. And um, so that's about all I know of you at this point, um, except we were just chatting and you, you know, you said you have an interest in wellness, you know, as far as the podcast you listen to and financial things and so forth. Um, so what's your, <clears throat> excuse me, what's your profession? Well, I am retired. Uh, I've been retired for uh, full-time about 12 years, part-time, oh, I guess I was working up till about seven years ago. So I spend the majority of my time now on more ministry-related or um, just uh, fun things with the family, Take, taking time with the grands and with with family and caring for my aging mother she's 94 so wow, 94 <laughs> so what was your profession before you retired so my wife and i owned a business um which we started back in 1990 and then sold it to our employees in 2010 and the name of the business was uh, cta which um stood for Christian Tools of Affirmation. So we made, um, well, I should say we we sold, uh, we, we made some of the items or assembled them, but um, we got parts and pieces from all over the world and, and did uh, gifts of encouragement, uh, gifts of faith, uh, to encourage people in their, in their faith, um, to provide... Uh, gifts that uh, churches and others could give children or um, other people in their church to encourage them. So CTA, um, Christian Tools of Affirmation, or something mm-hmm. it was? Yes. Okay. What kind of items were these? Like, Well, it, it had to be appropriate for the price point, so... Um, in other words, it had to be affordable for the for the church or the individual. So they were primarily things that would sell anywhere from a dollar to five dollars. Uh, we had a few more expensive items, but primarily um, uh, gifts like uh, soft cover books. Um, especially at Christmas time for uh, children, like at a children's message or for a Sunday school event or things like that. Um, we sold um, gifts of encouragement for Father's Day and Mother's Day and men's ministry, women's ministry, um, gifts that a church or leader could give to people in their church doing um as as a thank you and uh, encouragement uh, for their faith. 
so they were just little books, little, you know, just small items. And Yeah, uh, so keychains, okay. small items, um, yeah, little softcover books, devotional books, uh, bookmarks. Um, uh, back in the day, uh, lapel pins were popular. That was one of our most popular items in the, at least in the 90s. Um, yeah, things things that would um, be um, have a, a higher perceived value, but we would, because of our um, purchasing and volume buying and selling to, in um, basically in bulk to churches, we were able to offer them at a pretty reasonable cost. Okay, so you mainly sold to churches, um, and you mainly sold in bulk. It wasn't to, like, individuals so much? We had uh, a lot of, in, you know, individual um, buyers, but um, the vast majority were sold to to churches. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and then, um, so you started that, you and your wife started it. Mm-hmm. And then you sold it to your employees. We did. How many employees did you have there at the end? Probably in the neighborhood of 50 uh, full-time equivalent. You know, there's a lot of part-time people. Yeah. Uh, we had a lot of seasonal um, staff. But, you know, 45, 50 full-time equivalent. And is the business still doing well? You know, COVID was very, very challenging uh, for the business, as you can imagine, because the churches were told they couldn't meet, uh, individuals couldn't couldn't go to church, so or meet in person anyway. So, um, yeah, it's been a very, very challenging period for the for the business. Yeah, that's a pretty good size of business. Fifty employees, like full time employees. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was located here in the St. Louis area, or it, it is located? Yeah, they're located in Fenton. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, how does it work? Like, if employees buy the business, they're all putting in capital for the purchase price? Is that? Well, some of the employees put in uh, capital. So um, the leadership um, put in the most capital. Uh, and uh, then the rest of it was financed through a bank. Okay. Hmm. Um, and then what was your background before starting a business that um, equipped you to do that? Well, I wouldn't say I was really equipped to do that. Okay. <laughs> we were just kind of stepping out in faith in that regard, but... Um, I had worked for a manufacturing company. It was a company that made uh, toiletry products, both gift items as well as private label toiletries, and sold to primarily discount chains. Uh, Back in the day, Kmart was a big customer, and then, of course, Walmart kind of overtook Kmart, and a lot of drugstores like Walgreens and uh, CVS and those, those type of um, companies. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah, that's pretty, I don't know. It's pretty neat. Was that like a fulfilling 
career, um, starting a business and working in it and then well, selling it's, it? Well, it was very challenging <laughs> for the first couple of years because uh, my wife uh, had quit her job um, and she was working at a um, Christian school and uh, was a, a teacher's assistant there. And she really felt like there was a need for um, teaching aids, I guess would be the best way to put it. So things that would help the teacher to be more effective in the classroom. And so that was the original thought in our business. And and the business was called CTA, but it was... um, you know, uh, at that point, at the early, um, in the early years, this was, was CTA stood for um, Christian Teachers Aid. Um, and what we, we started it out of our home, um, but, you know, she quit her job, and then uh, two or three weeks later, um, I got let go out of my job uh, at the manufacturing company that I had worked at for 13 plus years. So we went from two incomes to no income, and then we were starting a business that we really didn't know what we were doing because it was more of a direct marketing business and uh, you know different than what I was involved in. So um, yeah, then we went to negative income. So two incomes to no income to negative income. So it was a very stressful time Mm -hmm. as we were trying to chart our way um in those early years particularly yeah um okay now you're involved in more ministry related things i am yeah 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 okay so what would you say um what's the main thing that people would need to know about you to just to know who you are, just what makes you tick, what you're all about, you know, what comes to mind? Well, I, I would say my, my faith and my family um, are the th- things that are of utmost importance to me um, and uh, just have a strong desire to uh, continue to grow in my faith and to encourage others to do the same. Okay, then your faith is Christian. Mm-hmm. So is that has it always been that way? Or it has. It has. Okay. Yeah. And and then why? Um, and then why is it Christian? Um, I guess at some point you had to kind of decide for yourself. Um, even if you were raised in a Christian home, right? Um. Sure. So, um, in, I guess in our early days of our marriage, uh, my wife and I got married fairly young. She was 19 and I was 22. Um, our, um, Faith really um, was was there, but I would say it was more dormant. We weren't really living out our faith very well, um, and 
we went through a period of time then after we had children where we realized that, hey, it's, it's time to really get a little more serious about our faith and, and to grow in our faith because we desire to have that for our children as well. And what we did was uh, we started going to a church that um, was a Bible-believing church and uh, encouraged us, you know, in, in our faith and had uh, different small groups and things where we could really kind of dig into the Bible a little bit more. And we went through a study called um, Experiencing God oh, I remember that. by Henry Blackaby. Mm-hmm. And Henry, uh, in that study, talks about spiritual markers. So for us, that, um, that study was a real spiritual marker in our life. And, and from that point forward, um, you know, we really had a much stronger desire to continue to grow in our faith. Um, and this was also at the same time that we um, were going through all the turmoil as far as uh, me getting let go from my job and uh, trying to start this business. So all this was kind of happening at the same time. And God kind of worked all that together for for good, uh, as he tells us in his word that that he does. Is there anything in particular that gives you confidence that the Christian faith is, you know, true and, um, yeah, uh, something, you know, do you have any thoughts along those lines? Sure. Well, just seeing how God cared for us through that um, period of time where we're really seeking him uh, very fervently, um, just one one story after another how, um, you know, our, our roof was leaking in our house and we didn't have the money to fix the roof because we had no income and we had negative income when we started the business. And then so the, um, the roofing company came and said, hey, you've, yeah, you do have a leak, but you had storm damage. And lo and behold, the insurance company took care of the roof for us. Um, so that, that was one thing that we saw. Um, and then, you know, once our business, uh, actually did start being profitable after a couple of years, um, just seeing how God really took care of us through that time. Um, we had desired to, um, try to refinance our house because we had a very high interest rate and rates were dropping. But because we had a new business, the bank wouldn't refinance our house. And then less than 12 months later, um, God provided through our business uh, enough revenue that we were able to totally pay off our house and be completely debt-free. Um, so just seeing how, as we uh, serve him, follow his principles, um, he has cared for us and for our family, is, is very encouraging uh, to us. Um, and it, it just makes, makes faith ever more real when you see things like that happening. Hmm. 
Um, well, I, I thought, you know, I jotted down some questions ahead of time that I thought I would ask, but we can, you know, jump any, you know, go in any direction that we want to. So if anything comes up, feel free to, you know, we can diverge. But so one thing I thought I'd ask is like, what has God taught you in life? Um, is there anything in particular that comes to mind as far as life lessons that you've gained? Well, uh, a lot of things. I, the first thing that comes to mind is to trust Him. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, 6, a uh, very popular verse, but uh, it's popular for a very good reason. Uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Um, follow Him, you know, basically is what, what it says. And um, there's just so much wisdom in God's Word. Um, you know, one of my life's lessons that, um, you know, would be found in, the, in, in His Word is um, just to have a great respect for other people. And especially, you know, to your uh, life's partner. So um, really try to um, listen to my sweet wife a lot um, more intentionally than, than what I used to uh, when I was a younger man. So <laughs> definitely have learned that. But there's so much wisdom on running a business, uh, leading your family, um, just all aspects of life. Mm -hmm. How would you put it in a nutshell, like, you know, just the Christian message? Um, you know, so if you take the Bible just as a whole and just think, well, what's the main thing? Like, how, how would you summarize that? Well, a, f a friend of mine, um, his his life verse is uh, James 4.10, which says, Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. And I, I think the majority of our problems as humans uh, are that we... Um, we, we, you know, and, and as followers of Christ, we, we just don't humble ourselves before the Lord. We don't really just seek Him um, first and foremost. Uh, and the result is, unfortunately, pain uh, for ourselves and for those around us, whether they're, and, and really, uh, especially for those that are, I think, closest to us. Um, yeah, I can really uh, see, th you know, the the benefit of being humble, um, and I, you know, it's something even I've been thinking about recently um, about humility. I once heard a definition of humility that stuck with me. I guess this has been like twenty five years, and uh, humility is nothing to hide, nothing to lose, nothing to prove. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I kind of like that. I, I, it just 
resonates with me as far as humility being um, like nothing, you know, me not having to guard anything as far as myself, like my reputation, my, uh, or to prove anything or so forth. And then my self-worth and my self-security and everything, you know, it's coming from somewhere else. So I'm just, you know, in the hands of, of God. Um, and that's, and I, I do, I agree with you. And I think that um, lack, lack, lack of humility, well, pride goes before a fall. And, um, and that is like the source of uh, a lot of pain for ourselves and others. Well, what does it look like to gain humility um, besides being humiliated in an unfortunate way? <laughs> or, I mean, being humbled in an unfortunate way. How, how can a person pursue um, humility or be humble where it's more than just uh, platitude, um, but it's something that someone's working out? And really uh, gaining ground on. Well, I, I I guess that might be different for different people or, or different faiths. But um, for myself as a Christian, it's you know putting my trust in Him uh, first and foremost, and which means trusting in His Word and and looking to Him for. Um, guidance rather than my own human wisdom. And when my own human wisdom butts heads with uh, <laughs> what I read in the Word is that I um, basically humble myself and, and follow Him um, rather than, you know, my, my own desires. Um so, you know, from a practical standpoint, I think having an accountability partner, uh, I think, um, you know, really uh, spending time in God's Word, um, you know, memorizing key verses that might help us to, to walk more closely with Him, uh, especially uh, many verses... Uh, in in the book of Proverbs that, um, you know, talk about humility and pride and the, you know, the, the, the problems with pride. So, um, well, you, um, so are there any, um, particular, you know, life challenges that you've had to work through that are kind of particular to you that you've grown from that've made an impact on you or or anything like that. You may have already kind of given reference to, well, you know, with your wife learning to listen mm-hmm. to her and so forth. But just in life in general, anything in particular that um, you know now that you didn't know then um, <laughs> or just sure. anything that's come about through... Right. Challenges of life and so yeah. forth. No, I, I referenced the fact that I had lost my job. Um, so I had started at um, a company, that, like I mentioned, that made toiletry products. And 
I started there right out of college uh, as an accountant and had worked my way up um, to a vice president position. And uh, what what happened was the company got sold to a private equity group who apparently desired to have their own people in there. And uh, so after a few months of their ownership, uh, they let me go. Um, and that was a real um, soul-searching time for me because um, at that point in my time, I, I mean, at that point in my work life, I, I really um, put a lot of um, worth, uh, self-worth um, based on my job performance rather than on, you know, just really trusting the Lord. Um, so it, it, it really caused me to, to kind of rethink. And, and then that came together with the Experiencing God study uh, that I mentioned and a few other things going on at the same time. Um, so that, that was... Uh, that was very impactful. Like I said, it was what I would call, um, what I I would agree with Henry Blackaby's definition of a spiritual marker in, in my life. And then another challenging time was, um, back probably close to 20 years ago, I went through just a period of time where I was very, um, sick and just had a hard time even going to work, you know, every day, getting up and just putting in eight hours or nine hours a day. And, um, you know, finally, you know, kind of recovered from that, but it was a very long, drawn-out ordeal. Um, and it, 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 it was... Uh, quite challenging, which, you know, it's one of the reasons that that I like to try to find out more about health and nutrition and how I can try to fortify my body to to stay healthy in the longer term here. Yeah. Any particular life challenges you're in the midst of right now? Yeah, I I would say you know my wife and I are in a in a good period um, right now. Um, we we just started um, attending and joined uh, a new church, so you know getting plugged in at that new church and serving there. Um, that might be a little bit of a challenge because it's a, a larger church. But uh, it, it's a good challenge, so we look forward to that. Yeah. So you're into wellness and just being fit and stuff, and do you exercise and that type of thing too? Yeah, my wife and I try to walk every day and uh, spend a little time praying together as we're walking, and uh, so we get to enjoy time together as well as um, you know try to. Uh, exercise our bodies a little bit better, and so they they keep working well. Hopefully, <laughs> what 
so probably a lot of it has to do with just what you put into your body too, like your nutrition and so forth is right. Yeah. And every, everybody's body's a, a little different and what they, you know, what they tolerate, you know, what they, um, find helpful might be a little different from one person to the next, but you know, basically sugar seems to be the enemy for almost all of us. So, um, trying to stay as, uh, sugar free as possible. Okay. Are you, um, someone who goes so far as like to kind of look into their genetic makeup and see what uh, they need or don't need or what they're predisposed towards so they can head that off or are you not quite that in- <laughs> crazy or involved? In <laughs> we we haven't taken that step yet, but, yeah. uh, you know, someday we might do that. That might okay. be a, a wise thing to do because, boy, that whole field is just exploding right now. Yeah. All right. Um Well, um, what kind of ministry? Are, so jail ministry, is that mainly what you're doing now as far as with your, your time? And um, is that like going into um, the county jail? Is that what you're doing and talking with people? Or Yeah, we have a, we have a ministry called Kingdom Men. Uh, it's based on a, a study um, by Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans, uh, by the same name. It's called the Kingdom Men. Uh, our kingdom man, I should say. And uh, so we do that study periodically as well as other studies with the guys out at um, MECC, which is Missouri Eastern Correctional Center in Pacific. And we have a core group of guys that have been attending there for a fairly long time. And um, I guess it's pushing six years now uh, that, that we've been doing the study and encouraging them. Um, and kind of our next step is that we hope to um, be able to facilitate mentoring um, and kind of one-on-one discipleship, our small group discipleship um, for the guys that we're working with, um, both while they're incarcerated and then post-release and then in addition uh, for the guys that do get released to help them to connect to um, really uh, a a good church a church that would make sense for them and um, to help them uh, find employment um, have a safe place to to live um, be equipped um to to be able to handle the um the temptations uh of the world around them so is that a state prison where you're going it is okay so okay so i um wasn't sure if it was like a more of a jail or a prison but um so that's a prison and that's where your your ministry's taking place it is yeah okay What's neat? I, I guess you could go in and you're just right there and face to face with them, then, huh? We are. Okay. Yeah. Out here in our Jefferson County Jail, we used to. Um, well, we still there's a um, 
um, a fellow who leads up a program where it just combines prisoners with who are interested in someone reaching out to them with anybody who's interested and it just pairs people up. Um, and it used to, you could go and you could go talk in person, um, with a glass between you and you'd talk on the phone. Mm-hmm. But then I guess starting with, uh, COVID, I guess that's when it started. Um, everything's through video monitor. Okay. And it's really, the technology is really cumbersome, makes everything a little harder. Um, so that's nice that you can kind of be in the same room with people as you're talking to them, and it it is. Um, and we've we've got a a great core of um, guys that we work with, and that they're very uh, interested in continuing to grow in their faith. Mm-hmm. So that's it's just been encouraging to me. You asked me. Um, you know, about uh, what it, I can't remember exactly how you ordered the question, but, uh, you know, evidence as far as uh, faith goes. And when you, when you see guys that um, really let go of their old way of life and embrace uh, Christ and his teaching and more and more trust in them, um, you know, it's it's just uh, to me that's that's great evidence of of God's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, changed lives. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And um, then, have you seen people get out and get established and do well outside of prison? Yeah, unfortunately, um, yeah, we're, the way the system is set up, we're we're supposed to have limited interaction um, with them post-release. But we're trying to set up some sort of mechanism where we can be a a little bit more involved or at least point them to people that can help them uh, post-release. And if we can't be involved directly, uh, at, at least, you know, be able to know if they're doing well or, um, you know, what, what their status is. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been a little frustrating for us in that, in that regard, not knowing. I mean, some of the guys, I'm sure, are doing great. Uh, other ones that have been incarcerated, especially the guys who have been incarcerated for years and years and years, it, it's, it's a lot harder for them, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what, um, so what's, you know, nourishes your soul? What's really satisfying to you and, and nourishing to you, um, as a person? Well, the, the first thing I think of is, is, uh, God's word and reading it, uh, meditating on it and memorizing it. Uh, the second thing I think of is, um, being in fellowship with other believers, um, you know, uh, discussing his word, um, praying together, uh, just enjoying life together with, with other brothers and sisters in Christ. So how do you engage with the word? Is there like a structure to it, like a, a certain, or like a reading plan or a way that you're memorizing it? Or how do you 
uh, take it in, so to speak? Well, I've over the years, um, I've made note of different scriptures that were um, just impactful to me, and then what I've I've tried to do is is write those scriptures out, and then I go through them on a daily basis. Um, you know, I'll look through and just um, meditate on them, um, try to memorize them. Okay. And is it kind of like an index card type of thing? Or? Exactly. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's a pretty simple deal. Uh, I've got, you know, seven stacks, um, for one for each day of the week. So, you know, by the end of the week, I've gone through each of those stacks and, um, yeah, and, and on any particular day, there there might be something that kind of strikes me where I will look at that one one or two verses a little more carefully, read read through the passages around it, so I understand the the you know exactly the context and and that type of thing. Okay, I I don't know how long this is gonna how long I'll be doing this, but I recently started writing down. Scripture on um, Tyvek. It's house wrap. Okay. I heard someone say this is made out of the same stuff that um, milk cartons is made out of. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, it's really um, durable. I mean, it, you can. Yeah. And uh, you can't hardly rip yeah, this cool. apart or anything. But anyway, it makes it kind of. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the way it's just soft but durable and just stick in your pocket. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then fellowship, you know, you kind of um, mentioned like the interaction and stuff. Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of church going is more kind of more passive. Like you go into a right. Sunday school class and you're you spend a lot of time listening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what's fellowship look like to you? Is it really kind of interactive, like what you were mentioning? Yeah, absolutely. So, I've got um, a couple of um, discipleship studies that uh, I'm in, involved with and, and lead. Uh, so uh, the, we use a, um, a book called Discipleship Essentials by Greg Ogden. Oh, yeah, I'm familiar with that. And uh, Greg is um, a pastor that has been involved in discipleship his entire life. And he has tried different formats, and he believes that a group of three or four is kind of the right size for discipleship. So um, the one group I have is uh, three, and the other one is four. And we meet, uh, or try to meet weekly. Uh, Sometimes life interrupts us, and we're not able to, but uh, we try to meet weekly, and it usually takes us uh, a couple of years to go through um, the book, and we do it very thoroughly, and then the expectation is that after those two years that each of those men will um, prayerfully consider starting their own discipleship group and uh, the result being that we have disciples that are actually making disciples that are making disciples. 
Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. So I know there's a big group of men doing this in mm-hmm. the St. Louis area. And my brother did it for a few years. His okay. name is Jeff, Jeff Jackson. Okay. And I wanted to, um, but they met, like, the schedule didn't work out. Plus, it's a little ways in there. Sure. So um, I tried to get it going out here. And, mm-hmm. and then um, I did. Um, I asked a lot of people at church, but um, sure. I got a lot of refusals. Um I think something about a two-year commitment just is tough. (laughs) But I ended up, you know, walking around the neighborhood and found three other guys, and we we met right over here across the street. Uh And then one guy dropped out. But just the three of us, we did meet. um, It was two and a half years Mm -hmm. um, because we skipped sometimes and so forth. And then we broke up, um, and then I started it again. We meet at Karshis and. With three other guys, my son is one of the guys, one of my sons, and That's then great. there's two other guys. One guy uh, passed away from cancer since oh, no. the time we we started. Wow! But um, it's like the book's not incredibly exciting. It's just kind of like basic, just you know, Christianity. But it gives right. some structure to the time together. Mm-hmm. And um, but I think what. Um, the benefit seems to be like I'm. I'm hoping the group really benefits, especially there's one guy who's like newer to the faith, and it's just mm-hmm. like I- ideal for him, I think. But I think otherwise, the benefit seems to be just longevity. Like you meet with the same person week after week after week, or the same right. little group, you get really comfortable with each other, and we there's do. no substitute for the, just that repetition when it comes to. Um, just you know, developing a relationship with other men, it seems like, and mm-hmm. just feeling comfortable with them, and right, and being able to um, stay up on each other's lives and talk together and stuff like that. So it seems like a really good thing. I I think it's a very good thing. I I don't think there's any magic in the book, mm-hmm. but I do think the um, the 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 kind of the the structure of you know three or four guys meeting together uh, and going through it, um, just you know having that accountability for answering the questions and mm-hmm. and uh, spending time in the word there is is a real blessing. Plus, you know, um, just praying for one another. I'm sure that was a real blessing for the gentleman that was going through cancer for. For your, in in your group, yeah, yeah. And another thing I started doing because at my own church, it, it just seemed like there wasn't the interaction in the class. Sometimes there was the intention, like we're going to save the last fifteen minutes for discussion, right? But um, that was always like, well, maybe we'll get to it. You know, it mm. really wasn't um, a, a priority. But right. I met with, uh, so I started meeting with a little group that meets here in Barnhart at um, a church building next to the post office. And um, so it, the the men who meet there, and it's on Monday nights at 6.30, and um, they come from various different churches. Mm-hmm. But um, it's really basic, but I just like the simplicity of it. So we... Um, we're working through a book of the Bible at the time, so when we meet there, we're taking one chapter of the Bible, we look at see how many men there are, and we break up the chapter into verses so that we're, we read aloud, and we just go around the table, and everyone reads a section. 
And then afterwards, there's six uh, discussion discussion questions that we work through, and they're the same every week. Um, and they're things like, um, you know, what stands out to you? Um, what did you like in this chapter? You know, mm-hmm. did anything trouble you? Right. Um, what did uh, this chapter tell us about God? What did it tell us about man? And then last question is, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Mm. And it's just a, real, a lot of real good interaction. The men, um, I'm kind of new there, but the men there, a lot of them have been together for years. So they know each other really well and they're able just to talk freely. And then at the end, we pray together. Um, but it's a really good, simple format. And it's not the type of thing where um, you need like a, a skilled, gifted teacher right. to teach. You can just get together and you can just read the word together, talk mm-hmm. about it, pray for each other. It's really good. Yeah. I, sounds wonderful. Yeah. Um, so what are you aiming for in your life? Wow. Um, you know, I, I want to, to live a life that uh, would just be a reflection of God's goodness. So, um, you know, as I get up each day, um, looking at my schedule, what I have, (laughs) uh, what my charge is for that particular day, and, you know, if I have a meeting, um, I have an event, just look for ways to, to be a blessing um, to somebody um, or several people, you know, whoever I'm interacting with that particular day. So just to be used by God for, for kingdom purposes. Okay. So a reflection of God's goodness, I think is how you put it. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess that's implying that... Um, like it's not just you being good and blessing others, like somehow you're receiving and that's reflecting through you. Or is that kind of what you mean by being a reflection of God's goodness? Well, I, I obviously, you know, as, as a Christian, we, um, <laughs> we recognize that, that we are, are flawed. Uh, we are sinful um, no matter how hard we try. And um, when we um, desire to follow Christ, uh, that that means that we we embrace His teachings. We uh, look for ways to reflect um, and. Um, Try to model what what he modeled for us in in his life. So he was a he was a servant leader. He um, was a, a gentle and humble uh, man, despite being God. <laughs> and for me to. Um, set my 
humanness aside maybe a little bit more each day and um, allow his spirit to work in and through me. And as his spirit works through me, uh, I think I am better able to reflect his goodness to those around me. You know, mentioning that we're flawed, um, that's been something that's kind of come up, you know, like even last night at the Bible discussion, we're in Deuteronomy. So you have, um, we have Moses, and he, um, instead of speaking to the rock, he strikes the rock. God said, you didn't regard me as holy, you know. Um, So you have like his falling, and -hmm. then you have like the charge put toward all of the Israelites, but I think toward the end of Deuteronomy, we haven't got there yet, but I think Moses says, you know, you're all going to f- fail too. Um, so this is more of just a witness so that, you know, you can, you've been, so you, you've been told or something along those lines, but you know, you're not, you're going to fail. And it seems like, um, so on one hand, um, we see failings and we hope that, you know, it's not going to be us like, um, well, there's like famous ones like recently Ravi Zacharias and just, you know. And, right. Um, and then I here in the last day or two, I came across a um, quote by Scott um, Peck. He's a psych- psychiatrist, and he wrote the, a book called The Road Less Traveled. Mm-hmm. And um, the quote was something like, mental health is um, dedication to reality no matter what the cost or something i'm kind of paraphrasing but it it was just a really good quote and just and i i looked into him and the wiki article on him and it and i just liked a lot of the things he was teaching through his books and stuff but when it talked about his personal life um one year before his death he divorced his wife and then uh, was estranged from two of his three kids it it just looked like his life kind of fell apart right there at the very end Mm. and um and that was kind of discouraging, and it's kind of like, because, and then I also know we all experience evil in this life, right. and we don't want it to have a negative effect. We don't want to become bitter people because mm-hmm. we're experiencing unjust um, circumstances and evil and so forth. Um, so we're wanting to preserve ourselves, have the right attitude, but um, it almost but then kind of looking at biblical accounts of fallen uh, people or flawed people, like even Moses, Peter, and so forth, it almost makes me think, um, well, we can't get out of this (laughs) unscathed, that we're just all in the same boat. Um, Hopefully it's not going to be like a big thing like, you know, Ravi Zacharias or something like that. But it's not like we can just preserve our righteousness or something like that um so maybe it's more of like just kind of acceptance about just the state of where we are and who we are and um just relying on um god's mercy and rather than trying to preserve something just trying to maybe conform to reality like the quote said is more of just kind of acceptance of being in that same grouping along with all of these flawed people and just um, 
kind of recognizing it a little bit more, something like that. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about any of that? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, um, I, I guess the first thought is that, boy, this this uh, this life is is more of a it. It's not a short term kind of thing, you know, at least from a human perspective, it's more of a marathon and it's a, a daily dying to self, uh, as, as Paul, um, you know, uh, shared in, in, uh, I think it was Galatians, uh, two twenty. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's more of a marathon i think for us it's it's much more of a process and i think especially if we have success from um a you know more of a human perspective uh it then the the whole pride thing that we talked about earlier kind of creeps in mm-hmm. and i i don't know if that was a case with uh, Ravi, but um, boy, that's happened to an awful lot of people, um, mm-hmm. and my yeah. myself included. So it's you know, it's it's really you know dying to ourselves each each day, and you know trusting Him in our our daily walk. So. How does one go about dying to themselves? Well, just what we talked about earlier, as far as um, you know, putting God first in our life, uh, which means relying on Him and and His Word rather than our own agendas or our own human desires. So, and if, if things don't line up, if our desires don't line up with what he says in his word, then, you know, setting those human desires aside uh, with his help. And, my gosh, we all need his help, <laughs> you know, through the power of his spirit. He promises to give us his help, um, so the word says, no temptation has overtaken us except what is common to man. But God is faithful. He will provide a way out um, uh, of whatever that temptation is uh, if, if we seek him. And, um, you know, some, somewhere else in the word, I, I think in the book of James, it says, um, you know, that if we should uh, resist the devil and he will flee from us. So, and we, we, we have God's spirit inside us as believers, as baptized believers. So relying on his spirit uh, is, is critical. Um, and we've, we've, feed ourselves spiritually as we are in his word, meditating on his word, um, in relationship with other believers that 
um, encourage us and and hold us accountable, you know, when when we're maybe uh, starting to go the wrong direction. Okay. Well, I guess maybe we should just wrap up. Okay. Is, is there anything um, you'd like to bring up, you know, to, to end with or just any thoughts? Yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity, Will. Um, you know, just to um, get to know you a little bit better and and uh, just share what, what God's doing in uh, our lives here. I think uh, I applaud you for taking the time to do this. I'm, I'm sure you get to meet uh, a lot of people and encourage people in their faith as a result. So thank you for doing this. Okay. Well, you're welcome. Thank you, Steve. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you. Mm-hmm.